0: these guys are nothing. You hear me? They please just like we do. Yes, sir. They sweat just like we do. Do you hear me? They went through two days. We went through two days at 110 degrees. Yes, sir. I want you to hit everything to move. If the ref gets in your way, you hit him. Okay, then, let's play. But they're cheating us, too. They're us, too. This is our team. This is us. Let's go right now. Let's get it off now. Let's go. We'll talk plenty of Bacho Chops today, as Daniel Bacho had a double-double last night and looked like a brand new man. Daniel Bacho just like double-hit puberty or something. Just incredible difference from last year to this year. Athleticism, look just Great. And we talked about the last strength and conditioning coach quite a bit as a key to success for the last head coach. Darby Rich. Get on the Darby Rich program. Because K.J. Allen and uh, Bacho both, and O'Banner. O'Banner looks like he is in incredible shape. And it's not just that Bacho looks good. He was just like ten times more athletic, fluid, agile, mobile. Strength looks up. We kind of laughed at the hype before the season because it was like, "Come on, like, come, like, come on." But year three in a power program for Daniel Bacho looks like it's going to be a good fit. And I don't know if he can double-double against everyone. Certainly could double-double against Northwestern State. But if you could have six and eight from Bacho, the occasional double-double, eight and eight through Big 12 play, You're going to be very happy with that production. Very happy. O'Banner, quality, quality. I hope he gets a few more looks moving forward, but you played a lot of guys last night. And of the freshmen, nobody looked bad. Elijah Fisher did a few things where you were like, holy crap, Elijah Fisher, which you'll see a lot of this year. That's kind of his brand of basketball. Lamar Washington, Robert Jennings, lots of good stuff last night. Lots of good stuff last night. David Harmon, Jalen Tyson made the first bucket of his career and of the Red Raiders season, a three-pointer. A strong, strong showing, if not for all the turnovers and a couple of defensive miscues. And that's going to happen. That's going to happen quite a bit. And you're going to have a game or two like TCU had last night. A lot of people were bagging on TCU. That just is how preseason basketball works. Non-conference basketball. You're going to have some close calls. I think a lot of people forget last year, Oh, uh, where was it? You are playing in that, like, ballroom in a hotel against, man, who was that? Corpus Christi or some kind of, was it Incarnate Word in Corpus Christi? I feel like I'm doing clue here. Uh, this team and in, in that place, and you beat them with a length of chain. I don't know. Uh, But I think it was one of those games where you're just like, you looked bad. You struggled. Now, granted, TCU did it at home in front of an empty arena, but they should be used to that, right? Uh, You also had uh, an incredible, incredible showing for Texas Tech fans early. Now, you didn't stay, but it looked really good to start the broadcast and very actually happy and intrigued that that's happening in game one. I hope it cat happens in game three and five, and you know it certainly happens during Big Twelve play. A look around the conference, just quickly. Uh Grady Dick is really good. The six nine, allegedly, I didn't think he looked that big. Uh freshman from Kansas. Kevin McCullough scored their first bucket of the season. Uh, Terrence Shannon went 24-8 and for Illinois. I'm, I'm happy for Terrence Shannon. I think he's in a system that really fits his skill set. Hope he does that much more consistently. And I hope he's healthy now because I don't think he ever was last year. We won't update uh, those two gentlemen all the time. But, you know, when you have a big game, I'll talk about you. Elsewhere in the Big Twelve, TCU struggles but wins. Oklahoma struggles but loses. Tough look. Texas handles UTEP, which I thought was the toughest matchup of day one for the Big Twelve. I think they ended up winning by close to twenty. Uh Texas Tech called, I don't know if they actually called it a sellout last night. Uh, but it certainly looked full early. Uh, I could believe it was a sellout if you told me that. But the Moody Center, and this is the first text we get, the Moody Center only fills 11K for Texas Longhorn basketball, and it's a sellout, LOL. How lame in Austin. Yep. So they they have the curtains up, the tarp. They've tarped an entire top section. Call it what you want. Well, it's because it's the acoustics. All right, well, you're not having a concert there. It's Texas back now. Granted, the Moody looked awesome, and I really want to go to a show at the Moody. I would like to go to a Texas basketball game at the Moody. I want to bless the mood. Bless the mood. We're gonna bless the mood, but. To tarp it off and just call it a sellout is just lame, as the texture points out. You're going to sit there and say, ah, yes, that is all the tickets we could sell. When there's a whole upper bowl available, and I believe it's uh, a 15,000-seater. But I will say this. I will say this. That crowd was infinitely better than what they've had and I want to caution people because Chris Beard he's a builder he builds I think people just assume that the USA has always been like it is right now no it was built we don't want to give that guy any credit but he built it he was integral Raider Riot is awesome now they have the cattle guard or whatever they're doing down there. The cow pen, the the stable. What are they doing down there? The cat, the cattle, the cattle prod. What's their little student section? Anyways, uh, the free range. What, what 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 is their what is their student? Somebody text me yet? Somebody text me the student section name at uh, at the Longhorns Arena, but. Look, I think that uh, the Texas crowd is going to be a lot better this year than it was last year. I think the moody helps. Certainly people want to go and see that for the first time if they hadn't been to a concert all summer. Uh, That's where Blink-182 is playing next summer. If I have an extra two grand, I'll try to go get some floor seats or something next summer. Kansas State looked really good. Iowa State looks fine. Um, I will say this, though. I'm not moving a single power ranking or final standing or uh, analytical model or stat boost or anything else after one game. I put TCU out as the number two team in the Big 12 yesterday. Because I didn't want to put Texas there. And because I said Kansas would finish third or worst. And I didn't want to be a homer and put Tech there. So uh, process of elimination, I put TCU at number two. They almost lose. They were getting hammered by Pine Bluff. They had to have a huge second half to even get close. But I'm not a jerk reactor. I'm a big picture guy. And they have a bunch of guys back from last year. And I thought Eddie Lampkin looked really good to end the year. And I hope he's good again this year. He had a great block. He kind of looks more like he did at the beginning of last year, though. But Jamie Dixon's a slow starter. So maybe they get it going. Uh, I'm not bailing on TCU yet. But I will say this. Instant reactions. Very excited about Texas Tech basketball. Uh, I think Texas might be pretty good. I would like to see them over the course of you know, 10, 15, 20, 20 games this year to really make some judgments, but Kansas is right there. Baylor is really good. Texas Tech, I think, will compete with the top half of the conference. But I do think there's going to be seven or eight teams right right there with them. And that's just how deep the Big 12 is. Oklahoma will bounce back. Porter Mosier is that guy that will lose that game and then beat Kansas in two weeks or whatever it is. That's just how he rolls. He punches up. He is not good at punching down. He's really good at punching up. Which is why it's funny he's at Oklahoma. Let's take the break here. When we come back, we'll get back into Texas Tech football just a little bit. We have the Kansas Jayhawks coming into town. I might complain about kickoff times a little bit more. If you have a favorite cookie... That's what we were doing on the Raiderland. Land. You can text in your favorite cookie. You can text me anything, really. 806 855 3712. It's also job approval Tuesday. We'll check in on that as well. It's the Rob Rose Show. Talk 103.9. News, money, sparts. Are you. Sussing, sussing, sussing on you. I'm swagging, I'm swagging, I'm swaggin', oh! I'm balling, I'm balling. I've a song on you. Watch out, watch out. Welcome yeah, back. This is Raw Bro show, show Talk, 1-3.9 News, Money, Sports. The text line is hopping. 806-855-3712. 806-855-3712. It is reported... The Texas Rangers and Martín Pérez are not anywhere close on a contract negotiation uh, that is due in two days. What they call a qualifying offer. Uh, he wants a multi-year deal. I'm sure the the Rangers do too. Uh, and at this point, you need right two or three years from a guy like that to get. Rocker and lighter and win, all available. You know, at one point, there was a bunch of young arms, Cole Reagans and, and all these guys in the, in the minors that just never developed. Y'all remember chi Gonzalez? Chi-Chi, do you love me? No, no, we don't. Shipped you off. What was the other guy's name with the tattoos? Joe Palumbo? He didn't pan out. Uh point is a lot of these young arms. Uh, but what is a what is a what is a what does a rotation look like with Kershaw? Who may or may not be washed? Pitching pretty good still. Back and forth with back problems and Martin Perez as the 2 I guess or maybe Martinez the one and and Kershaw's the 2 do you guys know Kershaw was from Texas from the Arlington area do you know do you know him and uh Matt Stafford were on the same little league team there in Dallas i mean how long have we been going through these Clayton Kershaw rumors by the way 6 years it seems like forever he's the new David Price I also don't know what Bruce Bochi might bring to the table with these starters. Um is he gonna be a guy who wants to throw more differently, better, have an opener? Um seems like an old school guy. Is he gonna want to go seven, eight, nine innings? He's a national league guy. Is he gonna go six and rely more heavily on the bullpen? We don't know. And so I I just, with the Texas Rangers and kind of some off-season moves you're starting to see, what do you need? Are you all in on Adolis Garcia? Are you going to go buy a center fielder because you don't trust some of these young guys to really put it together? Did you like the production you got from left field last year? Is Nathaniel Lowe the, the all-time low first baseman here? You feel good about the middle infield? Josh Young, ready day one? And then catcher. You've had some pop. You've had some pop at these young guys. But is that a place you can go maybe get a veteran? I don't think there's any spot on the Texas Rangers roster that is just 100% locked down. Now, obviously, you spent money on the middle infield, and you're probably not moving on from those two guys. Josh Young coming up, playing third base. You feel good about that. You're probably not moving on from Josh Young. Lowe, your best hitter last year, arguably the best player on the team last year from start to finish. He's been consistent for two seasons. You're probably not moving on from him. The outfield is a bit of a question mark because... For everything al Bombi does, has he hit a ceiling? Is he going to be 260 in that production every year? Or if he's in a better lineup does he kind of get hot again and is he just a personality you want on the team? The other question is, how bad do you want to compete in 2023? Is your plan to really compete in 2024? Or do you see what the Astros have and and want a little taste of the glory? Those questions need to be asked and answered. Um, And I feel like they've answered several of them just by firing and moving on from a manager and a GM. This off the text line. I took care of my civic duty. Good job. Good job. Um, I think the you know the Texas Rangers. It. I got so used to knowing kind of what John Daniels' mo was, and you're going to go to the winter meetings, and there's going to be a lot of rumors, but nothing ever is really going to happen. Uh, is Chris Young going to be different? Is there a guy out there from Bruce Bochy's time with the Giants that they're going to bring in as kind of a culture guy? Looking at you, Madison Bumgarner. Could he come in and be a veteran presence? You know, I hate calling him veteran presence because he's my age, but is he going to come in and be a veteran presence for the back end of this rotation? Would he even come to the American League if he couldn't hit? Of course. You know you're DHing all around, anyways. Anyhow, and of course, what do you what are you spending? Are you are you do you want to keep this this young core together? Do you want to keep this farm league together, or do you want to start spending some to get some veterans in here to win now? That's the question. It's always been the question. It'll always be the question in Major League Baseball. Uh, But it's something the Texas Rangers need to address. Uh, The Dallas Cowboys are also back on the field this weekend. We'll look ahead to the Dallas Cowboys game and across the NFL schedule. Uh, We'll also look back on the college football schedule just for a second and predict the playoff when we come back. If you want to get your playoff predictions in, who is going to be in the top four tonight? 806-855-3712. Does TCU pass Tennessee? Is it just going to be the two Big Ten teams, Georgia and TCU? Or will they leave Tennessee at four just in case? Just in case. Did TCU prove enough this weekend to move up at all? Or are they going to keep saying Alabama, LSU oregon usc are all kind of there in the mix as well so you can get those predictions in right now 806-855-3712 news money sports it's talk 1039 we'll be right back I'm on to e. need someone to help me. Welcome back. I'm on e somebody's It's the Rob Bro Show. Talk 103.9 News, Money, Sports. Uh, we do have college football tonight. It's Tuesday night. You know what that means. It's action. Uh, we got Eastern Michigan Akron tonight. That gets your juices going at all. Five and four, Eastern Michigan, one and eight Akron. Ohio and Miami of Ohio. Six and three, four and five respectively. Ohio. The Bobcats, two and a half point favorite. And then Ball State and Toledo on ESPN. Those are at six six thirty and seven PM respectively. I tune in to Maxon, you know, if I see it on, but I just am not searching out Maxon this year like I had been. Nothing incredible, really. The Kansas City Chiefs heading into the weekend get to focus on the Jacksonville Jaguars after a big win against Tennessee. Uh, Going back to that game, that was Sunday Night Football. Man, did Patrick Mahomes do that all himself. And I know it's rare you say that, but I think all the other running backs had two yards for the Chiefs. He had 60-something. The third and 18 he converted on with his legs. The touchdown, the two-point conversion. All of it was Patrick Mahomes. And if you watched that game and thought, hey, he's all right, you're crazy. You're crazy. He is elite. Uh, also, looking at the Dallas Cowboys coming up, getting to play the three and six Green Bay Packers. Now, this is in Wisconsin at Green Bay, but Cowboys favored by minus five. That's a three twenty five kickoff on Fox. Obviously, uh, Cardinals at the Rams, three and six versus three and five. Again, it's danger zone for Cliff, but is it really? We talk about buyouts all the time, in in college football, well, Bidwill gave himself a buyout when he gave Cliff a huge extension. Does that sound familiar to anyone? I mean, you had uh, Kirby Hocutt give Cliff an extension. It kind of delayed. Maybe some possible decisions. Certainly, he didn't care about the buyout at the end, though. Uh, the Seahawks-Buccaneers. Vikings-Bills is interesting. You know, I have a theory about the AFC and the NFC, and that game is going to show us a lot. That game is going to show us a lot. You also the Giants and the Texans. Sunday Night Football, Chargers 49ers. And then Monday Night Football, Commanders Eagles. Commanders Eagles. 11 point favorites for Philadelphia. Monday Night Football next week. Monday Night Football last night. Did anyone watch... Be honest. Did you watch it all? Or were you watching college basketball? I was watching college basketball. I did not watch a single snap of the Aints and the Ravens at all. Not a single snap at all. Oh, uh, we also have some movement already. On a couple of Sunday night football matchups, future-wise, we're already flexing, um, which is not a surprise at all. By the way, we're just a couple of weeks away from Thanksgiving, Uh, Thanksgiving on the 24th of November. Giants-Cowboys is going to be huge on Thanksgiving. Bills-Lions, eh? Patriots-Vikings could be a, a, a good one, a barn burner, if you will. Uh, Don't want to look ahead though because the Cowboys do have a big one here and I don't care what you say, Green Bay is always going to be a tough out at home, uh, but that's a must win for the Cowboys. On a collision course uh, with the Vikings now or the Dallas Cowboys before they get that one going uh, and then obviously the Giants the week after, you're going to learn a lot about the Vikings in the next three weeks. Good grief, what a schedule the Vikings have. I mean the Vikings are 7 and 1 today. What are they going to be at the end of November? Bills, Cowboys, Patriots. Say what you want about the Patriots, but at 5 and 4, I mean, can you win two of these three? The Vikings? If the Vikings are 10 and 1, they're they're like the, the Super Bowl favorite with the Eagles. I also could see them being 7-4. and 8-3, and three, probably the most realistic. And then they have to go play the Jets. Then you kind of have a little bit of a reprieve with the Lions and the Colts. And then you finish Giants, Packers, Bears. Tough schedule for the Vikings here through the 1st of December. Uh, kind of the opposite of the Cowboys, <clears throat> who and, and maybe I'm you know I, I misread the Vikings after Week Three, and maybe I misread uh, a couple of other teams. You know I don't want to say that I you know misread too much. Uh, I was Certainly right about the Packers, uh, but Packers, Vikings, Giants, Colts, Texans for the Cowboys. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. It's uh, certainly certainly something for the Cowboys to be in this position. This late in the year, the Vikings as well. Um, I can remember a lot of Vikings teams that went like 8-0 and 0-8 growing up. So they kind of know how to peak early. We'll see if they can finish it off and... If you're looking at that Thanksgiving lineup and it's you know the Vikings who are have nine ten wins, the Cowboys who have nine ten wins, the Giants hanging right there, eight nine wins. That could be a pretty good little uh Thanksgiving day. I mean it always is with the family. the text line if you want to text in. We'll take a break here, come back and wrap up the show. A lot going on here in Lubbock. We'll talk a little more Big 12 basketball when we come back. The Lady Raiders also in action. We'll also talk just a little bit of Kansas, Texas Tech. We'll do it the rest of the week and also update the job approval polls. It's Rob Roshow on Talk One News Money Sports. We'll be back after this. Rob yep. Welcome back. The Rob Rochew. Connor, did you see Coach Gerlich's boots? You gotta look at these boots, man. They uh, They got uh, they're bejeweled red boots with a sick leather fringe almost the length of the boot. Red bejeweled. Red bejeweled like bedazzled. I don't know what it is. Are we doing like a like a Wizard of Oz type thing? Like some gemstones there? Oh yeah, that's that's powerful. (laughs) They are powerful. It's a power boot. Uh. Fairly, I mean, it's a body of a cowboy boot, but it's got a heel, like a high heel on it, and some leather fringe with jewels. Pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. I don't even know where you buy a thing like this. Um, and she was, you know. She's walking in the manner that those fringes were, were acting acting up. Later Raiders looked good last night. Uh winning by twenty. Certainly didn't start hot, but finished that way. Losing after the first quarter, and then it was twenty two to three in the second. They just said, All right, enough messing around. Uh freshman, Bailey Moppin, a couple of transfers out there. Gonna be fine. Lady Raider basketball. Um, I hope it's an improvement over the last couple of years, though. I think you're finally in a position where you're starting to recruit. And if if the freshmen, you know, get on the floor this year, Bailey Maupin probably going to end up as a starter pretty soon if she wasn't already last night. You're going to be good. You're going to be good. Uh, get Kelly Mora in there next year, local product you know and if you know in a few years you you keep Gurlick around and she gets a couple of these other local basketball studs in from the from the ranks in the girls basketball in Lubbock it'd be even better more texas tech uh football notes and numbers and intrigue and whatever else going on around the program, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, anybody else can have a different opinion, but in my opinion, I am full cell approving all three coordinators or the head coach and the two coordinators. There is zero part of me that thinks play calling is the biggest issue. Zero part of me. I think there's been a lot of execution issue. Now, if you want to call that a coaching mistake because he's not coaching them how to execute, all right, I'll, I'll get on that a little bit. But I don't think the basic play calling has been bad. Now, was I frustrated in the first half of the Baylor game? Yes, was I frustrated with the read options or the speed options? Not the read. The speed options at the TCU game? A little bit. Was I frustrated that there was even an option to throw on a fourth and two? And it was Donovan getting the ball and not Tosh Brooks or Sir Roderick? Yes. Yeah. I was. I was upset about that. But I don't think overall... Play calling has been bad enough to just be out on Zach Kittley. Do not, do not agree. Because if Donovan had thrown the ball to Tosh Brooks on fourth and two. It would have worked. So the play call, and I don't know what the play call was. Maybe it was just a draw. And that's a bad call. But if he did have the option to throw and he didn't throw it. That's not a bad play call. That's a bad execution. Now there can be bad play calls, sure. But overall, that's the point. All right. Do you approve of the job that Joey McGuire is doing as the head coach of the Texas Tech football team? Three hours in, ninety-six percent. Yes, and I think it will stay at ninety-six or even trickle back up to ninety-eight, ninety-nine. Do you approve of the job that Tim DeRouter is doing as the defensive coordinator of the Texas Tech football team? Question mark. Yes, 98% 3 hours in. And I think it will stay there or trickle back up to 99. Finally, do you approve of the job that Kitley is doing as the offensive coordinator of the Texas Tech football team? 3 hours in. 527 votes, 54% yes. And I think in my own mind, right, just because I'm voting yes doesn't mean I'm all in 100% yes, voting yes as approval. But I think I'm more than 80%. Certainly more than 75% yes. And I think if you're just looking at Zach Kidley, he, out of all of them, The coordinator wise, like Tim DeRuder honestly walked into a pretty warm bed of athletes. Now, maybe not the exactly the kind of athletes he would recruit, or the exactly the kind of athletes that he wants, or enough depth to be great for an entire game, but you have some pieces on that defense. And you have some pieces that are good with DeRuder's system. And I think you even kind of misplaced some in previous years that are even better fits in DeRuda's system. Kosai Eldridge has been really good because they finally put him in a great spot. But the offense, you get a bunch of one kind of receiver. And Not that the that those are bad kinds of receivers. You need a couple of them, but it's certainly different than what Kittley had been recruiting elsewhere. And I think they've had to learn. And they tried to get a bunch of transfers in at the offensive line, but Ty Buchanan obviously hadn't been ready. He's still just a freshman. He played pretty good against TCU until he got hurt got rolled up on. Monroe Mills has been probably your best tackle. Not probably, has been your best tackle. Weston Wright, a returner. Caleb Rogers, a returner. We've talked about him. And then elsewhere on the roster, offensively, You have some running backs, but have you used them in great ways? That's probably a a con, if we're going pros and cons. But also, on the other hand, do you have a guy that... Do you have Jareth Stearns on the roster? Is Miles Price that guy? Do you have a Bailey Zappi who'd done this for four years on the roster? No. Could Barron Morton be that guy? Maybe in four years. I said before the season, I think this defense will look a lot better, a lot faster than this offense. The offense is going to take time. And when you get a couple of track studs in here to play wide receiver, the offense might open up a little bit more. And that's not a knock on the guys you have right now because I think those guys are valuable. And I think Sparkman does something really, really well in getting that 50-50 ball. I think Duran Bradley is a possession machine. Loic Fungi has been in and out of the lineup as, as with injuries. They all do good things, but you just don't have a bunch of dynamic, different kinds of receivers. I think year three of Kitley is going to be a lot better than year one. That's all I'm saying. Still approving, not out. It's a Rob Bro Show. We'll be back tomorrow. I've been Rob Bro. I'll be Rob Bro tomorrow too, I guess. We'll see you then. The views and opinions expressed by the participants on this Talk 1340 program are not necessarily the views of Talk 1340. It's advertisers, staff, management, or town square media.